0: We're beginning a new series this morning. We're calling it No Fair. That's one of the lessons that we learn almost from the moment we come out of the womb, isn't it? That sometimes life just isn't fair. I mean, see if this sounds familiar. As a child, when you go to the Dairy Queen and there's a teenager there then puts more ice cream in your brother's cone than in your cone, it's not fair, not fair at all. When your mother makes you uh, share your favorite toy with the neighbor's kid, even though he's got his own toy himself, it's just not fair. Or when you find out that you have to be a certain height to ride the Wabash Cannonball at Opryland, and your friend is and you're not, it's not fair. Ask me how I know. It's not fair when all the other kids have already got their cell phones. Mom, why can't I have one? It's not fair. And then you grow up, and the unfairness continues. When somebody who's worked at the company a lot less time than you worked at the company still gets the promotion over you, it's not fair. When someone else gets all the praise for the successful project, when you know that you put as much time and effort and energy into that project as they did, it's not fair. Or when that woman gets to call that good looking, funny, attractive man Tommy her husband, (laughs) it's not fair. Life is full of unfairness, isn't it? It's something that we learn about from the time we come out of the womb until the time we die. There's so much that happens in this world that is just not fair. So over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at some passages of Scripture from Matthew's Gospel. They're the lectionary readings for the next three weeks. And one of the things that I think you're going to see in these three passages of Scripture is that Jesus challenges our notion of fairness. Our passage of Scripture today is this passage from Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. And the title of the sermon this morning is How to Fight Like a Christian. How to Fight Like a Christian. Now, I'm guessing that some of you, when you got up this morning and made the decision to come to church here, or those of you who are watching online, you didn't expect to hear a sermon about how to fight like a Christian, especially by an intimidating pastor like me. (laughs) And yet... Apparently, uh, Jesus feels like this is information that we need to know. Jesus wouldn't be providing an instruction about how to deal with conflict, how to deal with people who hurt you or sin against you, unless he realized it's going to be a problem in the world we live in. And when you think about it, Jesus, in this particular part of Matthew's gospel, he's not even talking to the whole world. He's talking to the church. He's talking to Christian people. And basically, Jesus is saying that whenever you get a bunch of Christians together, just like when you get a bunch of people together throughout the world, that you're going to get sideways with them every once in a while and Jesus wants us to know how to handle those situations when those situations come now i learned about fighting in the church uh, as soon as i became a pastor i had not been a pastor for very long i was an associate pastor i was in this downtown county seat large united methodist church and the conversation was picked up by the trustees that maybe, just maybe, we needed a new sound system for the sanctuary. So the trustees began to do what trustees do. They solicit bids. They contact people and say, hey, we're bidding out a new sound system. Would you be willing to come take a look at what we've got and tell us what you think we need and and make a proposal to us? And so we these different groups began to come to the church. They began to look at our sanctuary. They began to try to figure out what they thought was kind of sound system that we might need and how many speakers and monitors we might need and where we might position those speakers and those monitors throughout the church and And so they did all of this work and they provided that information to the trustee committee and they sat down and they looked at all of the different proposals and they picked one and the installation began. But so did the complaining. No sooner than the project began to to take shape that people began to complain. Some complained about the color of the speakers. Some complained about the cost of the speakers. Some complained about the location of the speakers. Some complained about the number of speakers. Some of them got really hyperbolic, really exaggerated. I kid you not, they were saying things like, I cannot believe that we have desecrated this holy and historic room with those gaudy-looking contemporary speakers all over the walls. Somebody else said, if we want new speakers in the sanctuary, write the bishop about a change in pastoral appointments. It got ugly. It got ugly really, really fast. You put a bunch of Christians in a room together and things like that are going to happen. People are going to get sideways. I share this example with you, church, this morning because I know that you've never seen conflict at St. Mark's United Methodist Church. Maybe I'm being hyperbolic now. But conflict is inevitable when you get a group of people. And sometimes the conflict is over trivial things like where we position the speakers in the sanctuary, or how many speakers we need, or what color of carpet we should put down whenever we replace the existing carpet. But sometimes the conflict is seriously sinful and downright evil. In the same church that argued about the speaker system in the sanctuary, there were two couples that sat in the same section every Sunday morning. The husband in one couple and the wife in another couple had an affair. It's not fair that you lose your spouse over someone that sits on the same church pew as you do. It is not fair that one couple has to leave the church and find another place to worship because of the sin and the harm and the hurt that Christians do to other Christians. Conflict is inevitable. So what do you do? What do you do when conflict comes, when it happens in the church? Well, Jesus, in our passage of Scripture today, gives us a plan. Jesus says that when someone sins against you, when someone hurts you, when someone harms you, you are supposed to go to that person, and you're supposed to go to that person seeking restoration And reconciliation to which I say that's not fair because they're the ones that hurt us right we're the victims here right we're the ones that have been wounded right why in the world would should we go to them and seek restoration and reconciliation it ought to be them coming to us to seek restoration and reconciliation. That's not fair, Jesus. And yet, that's what he says right here, that if you are sinned against by someone else, you're not supposed to wait for them to come to you and to try to make it right. You're supposed to go to them. Well, good. I agree with the go part. Shouldn't we be able to go, Jesus, and just let them have it? Let them them know what we think about what they've done to us. Let them know how much they've hurt us. Shouldn't we try to hurt them the way that they hurt us? Shouldn't we try to wound them the way that they have wounded us? Shouldn't we try to make them feel as bad as we can? Because hurt people hurt people, right? Shouldn't that be what we do? That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says when someone sins against you, you're supposed to go to that person one-on-one personally, but you're supposed to go seeking reconciliation and restoration. Well, what happens if it doesn't work? What happens if you go to that person and you acknowledge, all right, you hurt me, but I don't want to focus on what you hurt me about. I want to do whatever we can to restore this broken relationship to reconcile I want to be able to move forward what happens if that person is unable to see that they've done anything wrong what happens if that person has absolutely no interest in reconciliation or restoration for themselves what do you do well then you get to tell them what you think about them then you get to hurt them the way that they hurt you right because that would be the fair thing you did this to me let me do it to you Sometimes what Jesus says just doesn't seem fair. Jesus says if you go to that person one-on-one and you can't find a a, a reconciliation or restoration of the relationship, then you need to go and get two or three other people and bring them with you. Yeah, so that they can tell that other person, see what you did to my friend, you're lousy, no good, so-and-so, I'm on their side, you're in the wrong, repent, sinner. That's not why Jesus tells them to go get two or three people and take with them. The the, the point of that is not so that these two or three people can be on your side and gang up on the one that you think has sinned against you, the one that you think has harmed you. The point of those two people is to be there to observe the conversation that you're having with the person that has offended you, the person that has wronged you, and to be listening to see if the conversation that is actually taking place is one where restoration and reconciliation is possible. They're not there to take your side. They're there to make sure that the conversation that you're having is becoming a one that would lead to restoring a broken relationship. Well, Jesus, I guess, knew us Christians. Sometimes when you go to them one-on-one and try to work it out, they're not ready for reconciliation or restoration. Sometimes when you bring other people with you to kind of help make sure that the conversation is the appropriate one for restoration, sometimes those don't work either. So what do you do after you've gone personally? What do you do when you've taken two or three? Then you let them have it, right? Right. Now is the time you really just unload on them and say, not only did you hurt me, but you're so dumb. You didn't do it when I came to you one-on-one, and you didn't do it when I came to you with two other people. Now we get to lower the boom on them, right? That would be fair. But Jesus says, no, that's not my way of fairness. If you go with two or three people, and you can't find some way to restore or reconcile the relationship, the next thing is to take the church. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wouldn't it be great if, like, one Sunday after church, I opened up my door and the whole congregation at St. Mark's is there to call me on my sin? That would work, right? Well, I don't know that that's what Jesus is talking about here. Churches were a lot smaller then. There were a lot of house churches. They were very small. Maybe Jesus intended for you just to take the pastor or a leader of the church. Maybe Jesus intended... Wanted to take just a few people to go to the church. The point here is that we are the body of Christ. And Paul would talk about that all the parts of the body have to work together. All the parts of the body need to be in unity. And so the church is involved only because there is a relationship that has been broken. It has been damaged. And the church is there again. Not for retribution. Not for retaliation. The church is there to help Promote restoration and reconciliation so that's why jesus says you need to take a third step take the church with you and if that doesn't work finally sweet jesus you're singing my tune if that doesn't work jesus gives us permission to treat them like tax collectors and sinners and gentiles hallelujah We finally get to say what we want to say. We finally get to treat them the way they deserve to be treated, right? That's the fair thing. And yet that's not what Jesus is understanding of fairness. Because if you stop to ask yourself, how does Jesus treat Gentiles? How does Jesus treat tax collectors? How does Jesus treat sinners? He loves them. He's always reaching out to them. He's never giving up on them. He's never going to walk away from the possibility of being in right relationship. He never gives up hoping for restoration for reconciliation and that's what Jesus that's how Jesus wants us to fight he wants us to fight not in retaliation but to fight for restoration he wants us to fight not for retribution but for reconciliation he doesn't want us to just easily give up. He doesn't want us to wait until the person that has sinned against us or wronged to us comes to us. He wants us to go and to seek the restoration and the reconciliation of the person who has hurt us. The person who has sinned against us. The person who has wounded us. He wants it to always be a, an attempt to restore that which is broken. That's Jesus' idea of fairness. He doesn't want us to give up. What if Jesus had given up on the tax collectors and the sinners and the Gentiles of his day? We wouldn't know the story that Matthew tells us because Matthew himself was a tax collector that Jesus never gave up on. We wouldn't know the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus himself was a tax collector. Jesus never gave up on him. Jesus doesn't want us to give up on always seeking reconciliation and restoration. It's not about getting even. It's not about hurting someone who's hurt us. It's about keeping the body of Christ together. May it be so. Jesus ends this passage with the words that many of us can quote by heart. Where two or more are gathered, I am with you also. And we quote this verse all the time, but we never ever, at least I've never heard it, quote it in the context that Jesus quotes it for us today. Jesus reminds us that where two or more are gathered, he is there also in the midst of a conversation about having difficult conversations with people who have sinned against us with people that Jesus wants us to seek restoration and reconciliation with. And Jesus, in that context, is reminding us, when you go and seek restoration and reconciliation with someone who has sinned against you, when you and two or three other people are there, I am there with you. That's Jesus' way of saying, you may not think that reconciliation or restoration with this person is possible after what they've done. But if you go seek it, I'm going to be right there with you. And it's possible through me. May it be so.